Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots of things that are being looked at in the market trade. If you have a glance at the markets, we did end up seeing some higher numbers in the corn. Unfortunately, it was lower for the wheat and the soybeans, but not as much of a bloodbath as we saw yesterday on the livestock side. We're going to get all the details of what's kind of filtered into this market trade today with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing, and I think... First, to start off, Sam, as we look at this numbers, uh, coronavirus just continues to be talked about. The question is, how much of an effect is this going to have or has it already had on our market trade? Well, I think we saw you know the onset of this begin last week, last Friday. Um, hopefully, we see, saw the you know the spike in the in the the spike of that that fear based selling here yesterday. Um, Keep in mind when stuff like this happens, the markets with uh, not only the most open interest but maybe the most bullish, you know, lean to them uh, could potentially suffer the most. Uh, if we look at palm oil prices, they've continued to rally uh, in a very strong way here over the last couple of months, and I believe those values were down about 10% overnight world values. So, uh, a good example of this that we saw though here uh, in the U.S. markets was the live cattle contracts. I mean, we had uh, open interest 400,000 plus or minus, and funds leaning to the long side. Obviously, saw some limit down trade here yesterday. Um, corn and beans a little bit different. Beans probably had more to lose with the story just from headlines, uh, uh, you know, on their own. Uh, but you know, you look at corn on its own, funds were already short there. So it begs the question: the farmer's not going to sell this break. And I think we've come to a point of contentment now where the, the short money doesn't really want to add to that position until they know more about the situation. And I think over the next 10 days, we're going to really find out, uh, you know, the risks of this thing moving forward because the incubation uh, period of the, on the virus is two to three weeks. So. You know, by then, if we if, if this time next week we haven't seen this thing can, you know, completely snowball and, and become larger and larger uh, across the globe, then could be something we could put in the rearview mirror here uh, before mid-Feb even. Which would definitely be good news. Uh, you and I were talking before we started Final Bell today that China has, at least some different provinces, have extended their Chinese New Year in part because of this virus. Is that going to have an effect on yeah, the markets? I think it's, again, just the sentiment. I think the markets have already taken the cream off of, uh, of values, regardless of whether you look at the stock market or corn or beans or what have you. Um, that initial knee-jerk reaction is now behind us. Um, so, you know, and I have to confirm, you know, if the entire country is going to extend this by, by three days or if it's just certain companies, certain areas. But uh, nonetheless, the theme here is that this is going to kind of slow the demand in the short term, no matter what, in mainland China. The question is, you know, are we still talking about this thing in six months? Um, and also keep in mind, you know, yes, 100 uh, people have died. You don't want to minimize the you know, loss of life there or anything. But, uh, you know, look at look at how much the flu kills worldwide. You know, if we don't see this thing, you know, just exponentially snowball here, uh, especially outside of China, then, like I said, uh, you know, maybe we've taken enough off already. We did see uh, uh, purchases of corn coming from Mexico. Kind of a nice thing to see leading up to tomorrow's U.S. signing of the USMCA. Yeah, it helps. You know, you know, had it, had it been seen yesterday, I don't know if it would have been enough to really, uh, you know, fly in the face of what we were, we'd been seeing. And if we hadn't had it this morning, I still think the market probably would have catch, caught a little bit of a bounce. But refreshing to see a, you know, positive headline. Uh, the downside to it is it, it seemed like a run-of-the-mill sale to Mexico, and we really need our numbers to increase. We need more volume, and hopefully we can get a little optimism that, you know, if and when China does come back off this new year, that, you know, maybe they come out with a, a little bit of enthusiasm. They come back from uh, New Year, and, and we don't have any business being done, and the USDA can't lend, uh, you know, any help with the data that we got coming the second week of Feb, then, you know, all of a sudden the, the risk increases as we take the March contracts off the board at the end of February. What are your thoughts on how the ethanol market has been trading? I know there was talk of it maybe being a little bit range-bound. 
Yeah, and I think it's a similar posture right now. Um, you know, they've got those prices resting towards the lower end of the range. Uh, they seem to be, you know, coiling up here. And we got some positive news over the weekend about a circuit court judge, you know, ruling that the EPA needs to basically more or less reconsider some of these uh, refinery exemptions. A lot of people thinking that could set precedent for the future, including myself. I think the real question, though, is that um, the enforcement of it. You know, do they make... Uh, some of these underlying blenders or refiners go back and buy RINs in lieu of that? Do they do they say, hey, you know, you need to make up for this production? Or do they just more or less throw a slap on the wrist and say, hey, don't do this in the future? Uh, and, and I think, you know, this market's so jaded here with the ethanol situation, the legislation from EPA, the way it's been handled. Um, you know, it's just going to take a prove-it approach, it seems like. Are we just, can we say the markets are in the January doldrums? It just doesn't seem like there's a lot out there to get any sort of excitement going. No, there isn't, and, and it seemed like, you know, technically, you know, when corn looked, you know, one of the, they had that one of the best postures, in my opinion, uh, last Thursday before this, uh, you know, coronavirus you know, fear, you know, kind of started to hit again. Um, and it seemed like that was our best chance here, you know, late January into early February with the potential for China coming on and, and, and buying something. If we don't get a boost here in the short term, uh, you don't maybe have as big of a short position uh, from a fund standpoint. It'd be interesting to see what this movement over the last couple sessions has done uh, to their position, uh, especially in beans. Uh, you know, again, it wasn't the farmer really chasing this thing lower. So if we've built up with that position again, it provides fodder for upside movement, but we got to have a reason for it. So, Looking to South America, their weather has been um, pretty much okay, but have you heard any information when it comes to how the harvest is moving along? Everything I've heard and seen uh, reports of early harvest in the northern part of Brazil has been, uh, you know, steady to better compared to last year. So I don't think there's any immediate threat for uh, overall yield declines. If there's a risky area right now, it would be southern Argentina. As we went into the weekend last week, it looked uh, relatively dry for two to three week period. We came back from the weekend, it looked a little bit wetter. Today, they're starting to back off on some of those totals. So if we still see some... Uh, you know, dry conditions persist here in you know well into February for southern Argentina. It could keep their I don't know that it changes the landscape. You know, the crop doesn't disappear with something like that, um, but it could keep their port values elevated enough to where the U.S. you know remains the cheapest destination. Um, and and you know we've got to you know tie in the currency trade with that too. And the real continues to add to some competitiveness when it comes to purchases. They're a lot cheaper than us right now. Yeah, it has been, and, you know, the dollar caught a pretty good move lower, um, you know, as we came out of late November, have been trending higher really ever since the end of the year here, though, and I think, uh, you know, if we can hold the 98 level on the on the buck, you know, it'll help keep us uh, somewhat competitive, but, again, the overarching theme here is just that we're still in a supply-led situation. Folks, we've got more coming up. It is the Tuesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Oh. Welcome back to the final final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson continues to join us as we switch gears and look at the livestock side of the trade action. And I think, first of all, we had a bloodbath yesterday. As you look at those numbers, seeing the limit down in the cattle, limit down in the hogs, things kind of turned around a little bit. I mean, still some negativity on the cattle, positive on the hogs, but nothing compared to what we had to deal with yesterday. Now, I think what the market's doing, and this is very similar to what we talked about in the in uh, the grains, is, is just kind of catching its breath a little bit. Um, if you look at the mixed clothes there and the feeders, uh, really the live cattle weren't too far from that. Still ended up in the red uh, across the board, though. But, you know, in a, in a market decline like this, we, we should expect the cash is going to be slower to fall in the future. So I think what this is going to provide is a, a firmness in the, in the bull spreads. The cash is needed to lead the way. 
uh, you know, given what the board has done, I, I hate to say it, but it just seems like steady cash trade would be a success this week based on what we've seen so far. But, you know, keep in mind that's as of Tuesday. So let's, uh, you know, see, see what we look like midweek here. Uh, you know, got to note, the stock market up 300 points. So if we, if we look at sentiment alone, uh, here this afternoon based, you know, compared to where we've been seeing the last couple sessions, it looks like, you know, there again, people kind of willing to buy the dip at least for now. And then we probably consolidate and brace to see what things look like this time next week. Cash market on the cattle. It's Tuesday. Is it going to be Friday before we hear anything, especially with the biannual cattle inventory report coming out? Yeah, I, I would think so. I, you know, no one wants to accept, uh, you know, wa- you know, lower prices after a washout like this, especially, you know, when there's a lot of skepticism in terms of, of the, the length, you know, how lengthy it could be. So uh, there again, you know, if, if we get to an even look, I think that's somewhat of a success. Uh, Packers been making money, so you know maybe they'll be willing to uh, you know step up and, and hit some of those offers. But uh, I would think Friday at this point has got to be the expectation. Do you have any thoughts as to what this biannual inventory report may or may not say? Yeah, yeah I mean, we, I think we have to you know assume it's going to confirm big numbers. I don't think it'll change anything from what we really should expect. So you know, from a surprise standpoint, it's hard for me to really see where we'd find one. Um, if there was one, though, I think what you've got to, uh, you know, look at is the fact that, uh, you know, look at how the, you know, USDA and, and NASA kind of adjusted some of these stocks figures. You know, this, this feed usage uh, situation has just really come about here over the last year, year and a half. So if we were to see any surprises there, you know, maybe you could lead to some negative assumptions on feed usage, but I don't think it's going to be the case. USMCA, we talked about it in the first half, but from a, from a livestock perspective and this this hog market, is there, and cattle alone, is there some excitement that might be brewing once we get this thing taken care of? I think it's a continued buzz. I think it's similar to what we have seen for grain and oil seeds, is that it's a positive thing. Everyone wanted to see it get done. Uh, it could have had a negative impact if it wasn't going to get done, but I think everyone's expected it to for such a long time now that it seems like that affects more or less baked in. Uh, and when we look at these demand-stirring factors, uh, keep in mind, you know, if that big wave is to come, it doesn't necessarily always come at once. And this trade war has been a perfect example of that. I mean, look at the hog hog market. You know, if there's a market there that to, for someone to come after, it should be that one. And we just really haven't seen it come at the rate that we wanted it to compared to how quickly the U.S. producer can gear up to, to, to get it out to market. So I guess this is going to continue here moving forward. Um, and probably at least until the election, I think, is what I would expect. And definitely, you know, you and I were talking about this during the commercial break. The impeachment hearings as they were starting to wrap up really has not added any flame at all to the market trade. No, and regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, I know everyone's going to throw their opinion out there, of course. But it seems like a general disinterest, you know, very low ratings I've heard on this compared to like what we saw, in, uh, you know, with the Bill Clinton uh, saga. So I think... I don't know. It seems like there are more and more people uh, would agree that it, uh, maybe it is a witch hunt. Um, but if they're politically driven, you know, they're going to continue to hold that opinion. So the surprise here is if something really does happen there, uh, and obviously could uh, could shake things up a bit. But I, I wouldn't sit here and put my money on it. You know, as we were talking exports, I had read earlier today that, and as we look at the hogs, uh, Brazil's JBS uh, South America signed a memorandum of understanding to supply not only pork but beef and poultry to Hong Kong. Looking at that, was that even a, a blip on the radar? Well, you know, this is, again, no different than what we've seen happen with the green and oil seas. I mean, we've seen China continue to come in, uh, invest time, uh, invest money into infrastructure and, and all these happenings to continue to assure a supply line for themselves. Uh, they want to be self-sufficient, but if in the meantime they can't do that, 
uh, internally, they're going to use whatever means possible to make sure they're self-sufficient even through other, you know, world channels. And, and, you know, the U.S. has seen, you know, the impact of that when you get shuffled, you know, to the next in line. And it's hard to see them really pulling away from that. Uh, You know, and I've said it before, I still think all this probably would have happened eventually anyways, but the trade war certainly accelerated it. And uh, now that the deck is reshuffled, you know, we need to see what what we're dealt uh, coming out of it. Anything else we need to kind of keep an eye on, Sam, as we look at the grain or the livestock markets? Uh, you know, I'm, you got to make sure we get beyond this whole coronavirus thing. Um, I, I think the risk to uh, Board of Trade specifically would just be putting the shorts in control. But what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or www.cormotmarketing.com. Just a reminder that commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That's a Tuesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can pick this up as a podcast through our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe for your free podcasts. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.